welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is uh, the Devil's Club podcast. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's the name of the show. I'm Mike. Welcome. This is episode Cinco de Cuatro, number five, I think. Number five, yeah. Yeah, of, five. of season six. Of season six. And uh, we have a, a very, a very special guest, uh, someone we've been trying to have on the show for a while. Yeah, Mikey, Mikey P. Mikey P. Hey. is on the shows. Welcome, Mike. Thanks. Welcome, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm super excited uh, to 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 hang out with you guys. I'm just excited to see people, bro. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yes. We were on the other night with uh, more or less complete strangers. Uh, Eye of the mountain. Like yeah. we've, we've kind of been talking with them um, via Twitter and stuff. But yeah. It was, uh, it was cool. Like, it's just, you know, when, when things are back to normal, like, man, it's just going to be so nice to have these kind of conversations in person. And then, I mean, and not record them, but just, you know, shoot the breeze, right? Like, <laughs> we got to do like that, like whatever the devil's cut version of sounds of the season is where we just like live broadcast from the top of Arabella park. Yeah. Yo, and legit, everyone else yeah. is just hanging out down below yelling at us about how wrong we are on every <laughs> We're on the patio. Yeah. That's absolutely patio. perfect. Yeah. We it's gonna, gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta get on that. Yeah. We just I feel like we just gotta ask them and they'd totally be down. I'd even love to have like the Arabella people talk uh in chat because they usually play they play good music over there. They do. Usually, yeah. Right? So fits it's the, a big fits part the of the ground. vibe there. Totally, yeah, yeah. And the plants, that and the plants. It goes to me. It's the music, the plants, the fries, and then the beer. And then the beer. Okay. Yeah. Like in that order. Typically, that's why I go fries for the... before the beer. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the beer is like a little side. It's not really. Yeah. They're not really known for their beer, right? Should be called the Arabella Arabella Plants and Fries Park. <laughs> like it should really. Yeah, beer park is a little misleading. Totally. Anyways, yeah. doesn't matter. Arabella, we love you. We miss you. And yeah, we do. we'll be back. We'll be back. So, Mike, you you came at us with, um, or came to us with the topic. We actually gave you the 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 uh, difficult task of coming up with a topic because usually Murray and I will toss some shit around, but like uh, we left you with it. And so today we're going to talk about soundtracks, um, our favorite soundtracks, or kind of least favorite ones, maybe ones that were were disappointing, uh, given how good the movies were, and and vice versa. Um, and just, you know, and, and you were off air, you were talking about just, you know, in the nineties in particular, the kind of, you, you mentioned that the weirdness of some of the soundtracks, I'm curious to know what, uh, yeah. what you mean by that. But uh, when we get into the meat of the episode, we'll, uh, we'll have you uh, uh, take the reins, but um, Mikey, you're, uh, we got to do the hot seat since you're, uh, do the hot mean, seat. you're a guest either way. I mean, okay. new, new or old, um, we got to <laughs> drop some, uh, we got to drop some hot seat questions. Uh, okay, let's you. do it. So, um, question number one. So it's February 13th and, uh, the, the eve of Valentine's day. If you, if you recognize or acknowledge that day. Um, so question number one, uh, in the spirit of Valentine's day, what is your favorite romantic comedy of all time? My favorite romantic comedy. Man. That's a, that's a pretty tough one. Um, cause I think it's changed a lot over the years, but probably mm-hmm. the one that seems to stick with me. And you could you could even argue this fits this theme of like not so great movies that have really good soundtracks, but uh-huh. I fucking love the movie Keeping the Faith. Um, uh-huh. with uh that was directed by Ed Norton, uh with yeah. Ed Norton and Ben Stiller and Jenna Elfman. They're like a priest and a rabbi. Yes. It's yeah. almost like yes. based on a cliche joke. Um but there's so many great lines in that movie, man. Um, and so many like I don't know, it's just a sweet little film that Ed Norton made uh after his mother had passed away. 
and um, oh. uh, yeah, it's it's oh, a great okay. movie. Yeah, I, used... I don't. That's one of those. Gen- I feel like Gen- I've, Gen- I've watched uh, I've watched some of that movie, but like when I was growing up, my my family had TMN, the Movie Network. Yeah. Um, so wow. you always like kind of like turn it on. You catch movies like halfway through or a quarter of the way through or whatever. I think that's one of those that I've never seen from actual sat down from start to finish, but I've seen it all. In, yeah, yeah. Uh, in smaller oh, in bits and pieces. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm the same way. I, um, wow, Jenna Elfman as the uh, as the the lead. The the that's interesting. Yeah, um, it's it's one of the reasons I love it though is it was the first time that I'd ever heard. Um, Oh crap! I'm blanking on the name of the song now. Uh, it's from Tom Waits' second album, "Please Call Me Baby," okay. Which is like my, one of my all-time favorite albums ever. Is Tom Waits' "The Heart of Saturday Night"? Um, oh, okay. And uh, but the song "Please Call Me Baby" it's the opening opening credit sequence to "Keeping the Faith," and I didn't really, I didn't really know that era of Tom Waits very well, and and I it was the first time I'd heard that song, and it's so good. Right on. Right on, dude. Yeah, I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at who else was in it. Was that Ed Norton's directorial debut or no? Yeah. Was it actually? Wow. Huh. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. It's got a big cast too. Like like uh, Eli Wallach is in it. Yeah. Um, Milos Forman, the guy who directed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, is in it. Lisa Adelstein. And Bancroft is in it. Yeah, and Bancroft. Wow. wow. Holy crap. Yeah, it's it's got a surprisingly like big cast and. Uh, but it's like a really sweet little film. Cool. Okay. Well, all right. There you go. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a surprise answer, but I like it. <laughs> um, okay. Question two. Um, there's a movie being made about Midtown. <laughs> Give me three artists or bands that need to be on that soundtrack. A movie made about Midtown mm-hmm. and three artists or bands. This is a tough one for me because I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little like weirdly out of touch with the local music scene. I, I the mountain is one. That well, I, I mean, I, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be local. Like it could just I be like. I feel like it would though. I don't oh, know. Oh, really? Me? Yeah. I, yeah. True. I feel like Actually, you're probably right. Yeah. Like, I feel like for, for, especially for Midtown, because Midtown is sort of this weird, like post, like it's not quite Kitchener. It's not quite Waterloo. It's a little of both. Like it's its own weird entity. And I almost feel like there's such a, like Midtown in any other city is not Midtown KW, right? It's like a really different thing here than it is yeah. anywhere else. And so I feel like it would have to be sort of a local jam. That's fair. Okay. So I the Mountain. Okay, we'll throw them out there. Uh, can you think, of, can you think of two more? Friends of the show, I the Mountain. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, who else would be on that one? That's a really tough question. I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be dwelling on that one for a while. I've been really into Onion Honey lately, who I feel oh, like kind of... Um, very uh, cool little folk band, eh? They're, they're great. Yeah. yeah, like great little bluegrass. Yeah, yeah. Bluegrass band. Um, and then I feel like I don't know. I'd like want to go back. I guess like, uh, you know, maybe throwing it back to like to somebody who's like more established and recognizable outside of the community, but yeah. like a Danny Michelle. Or yeah, something. Danny Michelle. I thought maybe you'd go that. Yeah, that road. That'd be shit. That's an, I would listen to that soundtrack. It's all right. Yeah, that's a great. Really those three. Those three artists right there. Yeah. I'm sold. I'm sold with those. Yeah. I can feel mm. Sam Nabby like shaking his head that there's no <laughs> hip hop, like no hip hop on that list, and he's like. Because I yeah, Sam, I actually Sam to be honest. Well, Sam, toss Sam on there. He's a he's a great I musician himself. Yeah, yeah. Sam, Sam's attract hazard album is uh, one that I've I've been listening to a lot of the last couple of months, and uh, there's a really great track on there called Together that is super specific to Kitchener. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if you don't live here, you probably aren't going to get a lot of what's being talked about. <laughs> 
That's cool, man. I like that. Ooh, I like that. I was wondering, I was curious to know if, uh, I was curious what, what route you'd go um, uh, for that question. Uh, question three, your favorite Canadian film? My favorite Canadian film. That's another really, really tough question. Cause there's, there's a lot of good answers and they really range. Um, and, and like, cause like Canadian film is so like all over the map, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think uh, what would <clears throat> kind of fit that criteria. Um, I mean, I guess maybe a predominantly Canadian cast or maybe if it was filmed in, but I mean, even if it's filmed in Canada, lots of things are filmed in. Uh, I'll go with, I don't know if I'll, I'll call it my favorite because I'm probably blanking. Like it's like sort of an on the spot question, but one of the ones that immediately, when you say a Canadian movie, the one that immediately comes to my mind is uh, whale music. Um, is that, um, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. It's based on like a novel by a guy called uh, named Paul Corrington. And then, but the Rio Statics were like so inspired by the novel that they wrote an album about it. Yep. And then when they made the movie, the Rio Statics were asked to do the soundtrack. So they have two albums called Whale Music. <laughs> One is like music inspired by the book and the other is the soundtrack to the movie and there's some overlap. I love, um, I love the Rio Statics album titles. Like I think like their first album was called Greatest Hits. Yeah. They, 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 uh, they really nail it when it comes to those <laughs> they're they're like they're one of my favorite bands i was actually like when, when we come to the canadian 90s band things i was like the rio's got like yeah, you know the... murray, murray you knew but everyone else was like yeah. i was like they got they got trashed by the other two yeah yeah for sure oh, oh, who did they lose who did they lose to it doesn't matter <laughs> it was wrong i like the rios though but like yeah i'm oh, trying to so think good. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, I think I still have the bracket over I here. I don't have my bracket. I don't know where it went, but um Oh they, they started off against the Watchmen. So that would I mean, be a hard one for me though, because I do love the Watchmen. One of the best the, concerts I ever went to was the Watchmen. The Rios made it all the way to the uh for me they made it all the way to the uh final uh, semifinals. Yeah, final four. They lost to fifty four forty. But, I respect that. Oh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> I respect that. But... Okay, I want to get through, I wanna get through the, yeah. uh, the hot seat questions, and but, then I want Mikey. I want Mikey's take on our uh, on our nineties uh, yeah. Canadian debacle. Because yeah. uh, so, I feel to, like to come back to it though, like I, I mean, a movie. When you say a Canadian movie, whale music just really jumps into my head, right? Um, about you know, you've got Maury Shaken as this reclusive Brian Wilson esque musician who's kind of just really disconnected himself from reality and then the rio's music just populating the whole thing um it it feels and ironically i think it's not even set in canada i think it's set in in uh california but it just had it has one of the most canadian feeling films although i will say another one that i really love which also has a great soundtrack is uh small town murder songs by ed gas donnelly don't know that one um it's crazy because it's set like in, in and not like obscured. It's blatantly set in Hanover. <laughs> like, Interesting. and it's about, yeah. it's, it stars Peter Stormare, the, you know, the, um, is your uh, Russian actor? I think you'd know him. He's been in a ton yeah, of stuff, yeah. but, uh, he basically plays this like Mennonite cop who has like an, a rage problem and he sort of managed to keep his tentor under control, but then his ex-wife's like new boyfriend he suspects him of a murder and it's basically him just trying to hold his shit together in this oh. really tense movie that's all set in like super super small town mennonite ontario and over yeah yeah wow. but uh the soundtrack one of the really prominent songs is a track called crab apples by bruce peninsula well a great name yeah and look it up it's a it's a wicked ass song crab apple okay yeah, it's it's a really like it's a, just an intense track, but it's really really good. Nice. 
Dude, okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay, question, uh, question four. Um, the the greatest use of a song and or music, musical score, or whatever, in a movie, like like when when that song hit yeah. or that fucking whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Like that's a hard movie. one. <laughs> it, it is a hard one for me. I, I will say though, uh, the opening ten minutes of Baby Driver mm. are unreal for the yep. way they sync the music with the vibe like they do the two songs back to back. do bell bottoms by um oh crap is it john spencer blues explosion i, th I believe so yeah and it's funny because baby driver is one of my anyways yeah keep going yeah, yeah and then it and then it segues into the like the more mellow thing when he's going yeah. to get coffee going and, like, to get coffee just the choreography the timing and the way that edgar wright uses music in that man it's i i could just if the film ended after that 10 minutes i'd be like this is a perfect movie you don't even it, need the rest of it that movie was yeah short it film felt, it felt like a musical yeah. like it felt like a musical like it's, uh, yeah, like I, I don't know if the baby gyro would ever be on a on a on stage or something but i feel like it you totally could like it, it's choreographed in such a way that it's just kind of funny yeah that's that's interesting that that i i, I did and i had my uh um not reservations are just kind of like what the hell is this film like is it just another is this like a um a poor man's fast and the furious is this what this is and then i because edgar wright makes great films so i'm like yes. obviously yes. it can't be yeah. it wasn't gonna be shitty but i was i definitely had my reservations but that yeah the opening 10 15 minutes or 10 minutes of that movie were awesome i actually just i've, I've re-watched the opening just that the, those two songs like I don't know, 10, 20 times. And I, I actually just, half the time, I don't even bother finishing the film because I'm just like, nope. Yeah, it's so good, eh? It's so good. But yeah, the, the way he uses music, it's just like a, the perfect songs, perfectly set to the choreography, the, the filming, the cuts, the editing. Like it's, it's really just flawless use of music in cinema for me. Cool, right on. That's uh, it's cool that you went that route. Okay, and the very last question, if you can remember... I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I suppose it was only a year ago. Uh, the last movie you saw in theaters before the pandemic and uh, the next movie that you're hoping to see either in theaters or, I mean, I guess you could, man. Okay. We, Ann and I rented, rented. Um, promising Went down to Jumbo young... Video and picked no, it up? No, because I wouldn't spend, <laughs> if I spent $30 at Jumbo Video, I'd come home with like eight video games uh four four movies but like it was like 25 bucks to rent a movie we, we watched what? um promising promising young woman actually it was actually oh, between okay. wonder woman or promising Young woman yeah and we picked uh the carrie mulligan film really great super difficult to watch okay why was it 25 bucks to rent where are you renting these movies from it was on like youtube it was the only place you could get it it was more yeah. on amazon it was like 29 dollars on amazon well wonder woman was like Just 30 to... bucks that's on fucking amazon. insane yeah, but it's like they're looking at it. I think the model is like, well, if you were going to go out to a movie theater, you'd spend 10 bucks a person on a ticket plus like another 10 bucks a person on snacks and whatever. Wait, so, so. The, these are ones that are still in theaters. Like, yeah, yes. they're being released yeah. Yeah, yeah. directly okay. into the streaming service. Got it. Okay. okay. So, because like every, any movie that's like on DVD or anything is like $5.99. Yes. Yeah. yeah correct. Okay. Yeah. But I, we wanted, I mean, we wanted to watch something relatively new. And I think it was, it, yep, Promising Young Woman was nominated for best picture for golden globe but we could have easily watched mank which was is free on netflix <laughs> i think i'm pretty sure i heard but, good things about that one yeah i heard it was pretty good too so i think i have to watch citizen kane though again before just to remember things. i've never seen it <laughs> i i've i've uh i've, I've seen it one time like, yeah i've yeah. only seen it once and i watched it like randomly in high school because okay, it was but on. see 
I say it carries a little different weight. I'm not trying to say this, but like I have a master's degree in pop culture. When you tell people, <laughs> when you have that degree and you tell people, oh, fuck, I've never seen Citizen Kane. They're like, how did you even get a master's degree <laughs> in pop culture? You know no. what? Do you, you know, if you know the, like what happens, you're good. I saw you're that fine. Simpsons episode. So I feel yeah, like then you're, then you're done. Yeah, <laughs> then exactly. Dude, then Bobo. Yeah. Bobo. <laughs> exactly. Bobo. Yeah. You're set. I mean, I, I watch. I watched it in like I, I think I watched it in film class in university. I took like a history of film or whatever it was, and that's, that's Mike, the only you time gotta I've ever be seen back it. on though. We have to somehow dovetail a, a Simpsons and music episode. Oh, we have to yes. fucking do that like yes soon. The problem is I've only ever really watched the first eleven seasons of The Simpsons. Well, that's just, that's perfect. Well, that's, that's, that's fine. Then, then you're set. I don't, that's like, that's what I. If am. you if you if you started at season twelve and that and you count yourself as a Simpsons fan, like no, you're yeah, no, that's that's how you weed out true Simpsons fans. Yeah, it's like you're, when you when you stop. by Fox. Tried, yeah. Kim, Kim got me like the seventeenth season on DVD. I watched like two episodes and I was like, you know what? We 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 just need to stop. This is actually going back in time. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh god. For every every new episode you watch it ruins one of yeah. the old ones crosses yeah. it out it eliminates it's like it. rogue one in that way i'll leave that there we can talk about that oh i love it wow <laughs> oh that's fired do you remember so anyways, sorry, what, do, do you remember the last movie you saw no no i i went i went on a tangent do you remember the last movie that you saw in theater um what the hell was the last movie i saw it's been a while i have a feeling it might have been it might have been the rise of Skywalker. Oh, cool. Oh. Okay. I think that was Christmas, not like yeah, last I was gonna say year, probably something over the holidays. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, I think that might have been it. Is the last okay. one I saw in the theater. I haven't, the I haven't seen that one yet. The one I'm looking forward to next, I don't even know what's yeah, I, I what, what, like what, a, yeah, it's tough to call it's a strange eh? like, so Avatar I two. <laughs> Have you found that it's it's pretty strange? Like, I mean, I don't watch a ton of TV, but like at the same time, like I don't see a lot of films being promoted um, because like there is no movie going experience, right? Or, or or it's subject to whatever lockdowns or or um, protocols that we have to follow. So yeah. like, um, like for me, I mean, I don't know, for me, like I'm a, I'm a huge Bond guy. I love I love a good Bond film. Yeah, um, but like that's been delayed like another six months. Like it's gonna come out almost two years after okay. it's supposed to come out, which is hilarious. Um, so um, I've uh, and so Mikey, Mikey, you've never seen uh, Citizen Kane. Uh, I have never watched a single James Bond movie in my life. Really? Yeah. There are some one. good ones, but there are also a lot of not good ones. How yes. many are there now? Like. 20, 30 like 25 how many bond films definitely into the 20s okay. i don't know if it's broken the 30 mark yet there's usually somebody has some sort of like every two or three years yeah i don't i think you're probably in the mid 20s i think but um yeah it's tough like the yeah from i mean for me that's the i guess the next one but avatar 2 it's funny yeah i forgot that they're making that <laughs> Well, yeah, it's been delayed, crazy. what, like a decade or something? I don't even know how long it's been. When was it? Oh, wow. Yeah. At least probably a decade. Yeah. Maybe. Getting, yeah. I think it was It was supposed to come out like, well, I think it was supposed to be like 2014 or something. So it's yeah. anyways. Uh, you know, the other one I'm looking enough. forward to, Kim and I just rewatched all like the Mission Impossible series just because okay. 
something that was just really not we didn't have to think too hard about and yeah. uh you know like th those are super fun just yeah. kind of like yes explosions sort of movies but they're <laughs> they're done in such a way that you like they're very enjoyable i find it i, I, think, I, will I say, think i've only yeah. seen the first one of those too i remember well, that's going a classic the, the first yeah. one is first is one's good fun. second one's kind of crap but then once second abrams brutal. get involved it, it gets better so like yeah, the okay. Okay. The last three that came out kind of formed like a more of a singular story arc, yeah. and they're 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 good. I mean, it's still hard to swallow Tom Cruise some days because yeah. he's cringy. Yeah, he like, but I I find that the ensemble that they have is pretty. I mean, Simon Pegg is a joy to watch in any film, in my opinion. But like, Great. and he yeah. write. I think he write. I don't know if he wrote for some of the. Maybe I'm thinking that for Star Trek, but he he's definitely involved. Wrote Star Trek three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He but yeah, but he's great to watch and just. Uh, it kind of um, it evens out the 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 Tom Cruise ness that you have to you know like you said kind of swallow or just like yeah. grin and bear because like he's a lot a lot of the time. But know? I mean, can we can we like because uh, the fact that he like he does basically all his stuff right like all his stunts yes. and like yeah. that's crazy. It, like it, if you like, see the last one where he does this crazy stunt with a helicopter and you're like that dude yeah. should be dead. He should, he I mean, he's he's climbing place. like skyscrapers yeah. he's hanging Dubai? out of planes yeah he's like apparently he's going to space or something for the next one that's right? the next that, film that's, uh, that's, i don't know if that's it's the, the deal next there mission impossible film or if it's just another film just another where he's, film yeah he's shooting it entirely in in he, space he's going to space for this i mean he's, yeah. he'll be there with his people the scientology others other <laughs> aliens the right? tens so, yeah it's craziness yeah wow. he has a death wish i mean not a death wish or he just he probably thinks that like He's either immortal or he's maybe his his. I mean, his he's not wrong so far. He's, he's yeah, it's like, crazy what he does, man. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it's so nice. I mean, I I feel like that'll be a fun one to see. I don't know. I, this is the thing is, yeah, like like you say, like I don't even know. Like, I, I if I think of the back to the last year, I was sort of really only cognizant of like Tenant, Wonder Woman, and yeah. I don't even know what else. Like That's Tenant it. was supposed to be the one they were like this is going to decide whether film even has a future. So, yeah. And then Wonder Woman was kind of, and then I, I was like, I don't really know what else has happened in theater, which is sad. It's shitty. It's, and I was just going to say like, uh, for the, uh, for the smaller theaters, the art house ones, right? The ones that carry the, the, the TIFF movies and, and ones that you're just not going to see. And like, I, you know, I worry, in, but I also hope for, you know, a princess, yeah. cinema is to kind of uh you know carry through to the end of this pandemic but yeah like it just it's just weird like it, i don't know if it was an afterthought or just people there wasn't any money to promote films but like i literally those two films wonder woman and tenet are the only two that i even like were even remotely on my radar during the pandemic yeah um like it was just yeah, it was I, strange. I, likewise yeah yeah so I, can't, I mean it's hard to think of even another one and i wonder if things are just going to shift like we're just going to be no one will go or very few people will go to the theater and we're just gonna just stream everything at home like i mean that's what we've been doing really yeah i think it i think it's gonna shift i mean i remember years ago george lucas and i know we're really not talking about music but we're anyways but george lucas and steven spielberg sort of predicted that like going to the theater was gonna shift a little bit more in the direction of, that of like going to like the theater like stratford or something where they're like you might do it once a year but when you do it it's like a thing like wow it is like an event right there is there is pomp there's circumstance there is a whole feeling of like this is a special thing it's not the kind of thing you just hop out to on a saturday night to kill a few hours they were like 
the theater going experience is going to shift in terms of the way that it's like you're going to experience it and everything else is going to shift to like your home theater stuff right um and they were like and that means a lot of movies are not gonna they're not gonna bother putting them in the theater because it won't it won't work like you're gonna actually have to really focus on the production of not just the screen experience but like everything in the theater is gonna shift and they were like which i thought was an interesting perspective yeah, because like I mean, you met, it's it's interesting that you mentioned or you know, whole Stratford. Like, you pay a premium and like you expect a certain level of quality, uh, whether it's the act, well, obviously the acting, but the production, um, the atmosphere, all of that. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that is fascinating. Yeah, that's pretty that's cool. cool. Yeah, um, I'll have to uh, remind me to tell you about the like the, one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had was it's was going to see a play in Stratford. <laughs> we can talk about that later we'll talk, talk. right on um mikey you are officially off the hot seat well done uh, sir well, well done played. got to know Thanks. a lot about you in those five questions but uh sweet I talk too much nah yeah, it's, it's a perfect amount you, you you talk a perfect amount all of our all of our episodes this year have have already have, are well over an hour so like i don't we don't even try to keep it uh, murray and i after the first one we tell them like we should maybe try to keep it like less than an hour. Like, meh, we don't care. It's just like we you just said, had, it's just nice to hang out, man. Yeah. And we've had really, really great guests too. So like the conversation, yeah. it's not like we've been like forcing anything for, you know, no. hours and hours. It's just been great conversations. So yeah. we're not going to stop it. No, it's great, man. I, I've, I've loved listening to it. So I've, I've, got, I've got to get Jen's one on. I'm a little behind now, but I'm, uh, I'm oh. looking forward to it. Yeah, the the one with Sam that you guys did on, on cancel culture was amazing i have to i gotta tell oh, you thank that, you. that was, yeah, it was man. just so i mean like I, I think you know generally speaking we all sort of seem like we're on the same page there was a lot of contentious like debate or anything but it was just it was just really fascinating to hear a lot of the perspective and and some things i didn't know and it was just a really just you know like you just wanted to like really engage with it it was a really really cool difficult in some places yeah. but cool thing to just go for a walk and listen to um, well, great yeah and, thanks and reflect yeah, on. Well, man, appreciate that glad yeah, you liked thank it you. yeah thank you yeah yeah that was that was a lot. that was a tricky yeah that was a tricky one yeah well uh mikey we're here to talk about soundtracks and i'm i'm definitely gonna we're definitely gonna and pick your brain yeah can i clarify though because because when, when we when we talked about this i had this really specific lens of like crappy movies that weirdly have yeah awesome yeah that's what we're, that's, okay, so what that, we're that's the about. first that's the first book <laughs> because we, i mean we already did a soundtrack episode yeah. like back in like season yeah. two or three like a while ago so yeah, yeah that's that's what i've got too but you so. have a very specific kind of lens and and this yeah. is which is why it's definitely piqued our interest because it, i like i yeah you're right because it's 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 easy to dismiss a movie that's so bad but like you know it's interesting that you mentioned that the there's oftentimes movies that have amazing soundtracks that kind of like yeah uh, redeem the movie maybe they don't even redeem the movie <laughs> who knows <laughs> well it I, it was yeah i don't know we well you tell me where you want to dig in but there's a, there's a couple of interesting things to to say on that but I cool well let's get started let's get right into the episode Behind. You spit as you slammed out the door 
So we are back here with Mikey um, to talk about uh, movie soundtracks. And uh, off air, we were just talking about the fact that we, we, we've covered this topic sort of before, but I mean, the, the reason why it's kind of piqued our interest this time and Mikey came to us with the, with the uh, episode idea is that we're going to talk about, uh, on the one hand, the soundtracks that, you know, definitely did not, uh, or sorry, that, that were better than the movies themselves. Um, and a couple right off the bat that you, you had mentioned, uh, you know, in our, our Twitter DMs, uh, last action hero and Batman forever, which were, were pegged to be like, I think they still did pretty good at the box office, but like, yeah, I but think, they're bad. Right? but they're yes. not good yeah. movies. But, um, so we'll kind of talk about the nuances of that, but, uh, I, Mikey, you also mentioned too off air, um, or maybe on air. I'm not sure after <laughs> when I edit the episode, but um, that you do have a background in pop culture. That's something that you studied in post-secondary. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, how, how that was. And then also to um, in terms of pop culture, like if, if, if we're thinking about all the things that contribute to pop culture as like a pyramid, where, where in the pyramid would something like movies fit in with, uh, with influencing pop culture? So I'll, I'll let you, uh, yeah sure uh so yeah i do have a master's in pop culture it's a legitimate degree it's delivered by brock university so i can walk and talk Um, (laughs) (laughs) no it was a it was a cool program and you know what i love about it is because i mean brock brock takes a really um uh, one of the reasons i went there was because when i applied to different schools so i applied to do my master's and i didn't get in anywhere because the topic i was proposing didn't really fit in with a lot of traditional english lit programs which is where i was trying to go Whereas Brock took a really kind of like, listen, pop culture is kind of a nebulous thing. And as long as you can convince us that enough people liked it at a certain period of time, it's pop culture, right? Mm-hmm. So like I I, knew, I had a friend who wrote a really great paper on like spa culture in the late 1800s in, in, in Canada. And she was like, believe it or not, there were like spas, right? And like Preston Springs, the hotel that they just tore down in Cambridge yeah. there. yeah. yeah was yeah. like a really well-renowned spa in the early 1900s. Wow. Um, and people would come from all over for the mineral baths and stuff, right? So so they took a pretty cool view of it. So, you know, my main area of study was um, pioneer literature in, in Ontario. And, and anyways, whatever. I, I really enjoyed it. It was cool. But I had like friends who, you know, I had a friend, one of my colleagues, like, so there were only nine of us in the program. One of my colleagues was uh, from... Uh, Romania, and she was studying the use of fashion magazines as propaganda. Mm. Um, Cool. I had another friend who wrote on, uh, you know, this was in 2004. So blogging was kind of really coming into its own as like a a thing. And so she was writing about blogging. Um, Another friend of mine wrote a really cool thesis on representations of death in cinema. Mm. And he had this really, it, it was interesting. And when you think about it, it was really, it was really interesting of, very few times in cinema do people just die of natural causes almost always it's something external inflicting itself right they get shot they get stabbed they die of cancer or uh, some sort of external disease it's very rare in movies that somebody just dies because they're old i mean just Um, ash ash sean bean he's yeah he's 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 had uh, all of those that you mentioned Uh, uh, totally yeah that's so uh, so he wrote his whole thesis on this sort of like the way that cinema kind of denies 
death as a natural thing. Hmm. Um, so anyways, yeah, really, really cool program. But wow. we spent a lot of time talking about cinema, um, you know, and I took a whole class on Westerns. Oh, uh, amazing. Brilliant. It was like, I didn't really know much about Westerns until I took that class. And now like some of my all time favorite movies are Westerns. Cool. Um, uh, we did, uh, you know, we would do different analysis. Like I had one professor who just had the most ferocious hate on for Forrest Gump. <laughs> like she hated that movie. Great soundtrack though. It had a great Wonderful soundtrack. soundtrack. Yeah. Double disker. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Well. Yeah, it was yeah. VCR. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we spent a lot of time. So, I mean, in terms of like, I mean, I think, you know, I'm probably biased, but I think in terms of like, I don't know if there's a pyramid or as much as more like sort of a weird Venn diagram or something. Okay. But, yeah, yeah. But I definitely think cinema's cinema's taken uh, an inordinate amount of space in the last mm. 50 to 70 years, right? I mean, there's very, very famous stories about the birth of cinema, you know, the Lumiere's train arriving at the station and like, the uh, the first sort of cinematic film of the the great train robbery where the guy like fires a gun straight at the screen and people in the theater were like yeah. shocked. So it's always been that really visceral kind of gut reaction thing that people have had. Like I think from its beginnings, unlike you know some other things, it, it's it's really been just so visual and so visceral, and people react to it at a gut level in a different way than they do with other forms of pop culture that are maybe are a little more cerebral. And what's um, interesting, sorry to interject there, like what you say about that, like the, um, and I, I, I'm not a, a, a cinephile. Is that the word? Someone who's like very, very, I don't know, whatever. Cinnabon. <laughs> yes, that is the right one. I'm not yeah. a Cinnabon, obviously, but because um, <laughs> early films, I mean, you had silent films, right? You had, I mean, um, the, the use of, of music and musicality in in films i don't know i mean you, you tell me like as someone who kind of who, who spent time studying it like i mean it, it was it i mean it can't it couldn't have been an afterthought like obviously filmmakers have maybe a, a a sound in mind a song in mind when they have a film that's playing but like um i mean and to you as as a moviegoer as someone who watches a ton of films critiques them like how important is is the the music set to the the images that you're watching i i think it's critical like i mean you know you think of so many movies that use music to get you and and obviously if you go to things more like a score yes yeah um you think about the way that they use the score to manipulate the way you're feeling in that moment and the way that it cues you to feel things right um in a way that maybe the acting alone might not or mm the cinematography alone might not like it's, it's part of that whole mix. And for me, like some of the best scores are the ones you don't really notice because you just feel like you just feel the right emotion at the right time. And you don't really think about, Oh, listen to that. That's really interesting. Right. Um, but like a really master class in that early stuff is Charlie Chaplin. Cause he wrote a lot of his own scores to oh, the I movies did not that know he that. wrote, directed, oh, holy crap, starred in, like he did everything. Like, like Charlie Chaplin did everything. Like, I think he literally is like 99% of the credits on most of his films. Huh. Um, wow. But he wrote all the music to his films because he was very understanding that, like, we don't have dialogue. The music is going to tell people what their emotional response to this scene should be. Um, so, if you go back and watch like a lot of his old movies, like Modern Times is one that I, I've seen a, a few times and it's really great um and so yeah i think i think music is is critical what's interesting to me though is the shift 
I had this like I, like I made notes and everything. I have like a whole second screen with like type notes for this. Just so oh, you know, per- okay. great. Finally, you're cut. You're cut. Hey, yeah, someone who does some research. I was I was super excited about this. It gave me something to like, you know. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna stop working for a few minutes and go do this other. <laughs> great. Um, but like, it was it was interesting. Somebody was pointing out like the soundtrack to The Graduate is oh. a real turning point because it's yeah. the first one where almost all the music was licensed and pre-existing. Right. It was not written for the film. Oh, uh, only the song Mrs. Robinson, I think, was actually written for the movie. All the other music was already written and, and they just like they just oh, paid to use it in the film. And they were like, this really hadn't happened to that degree before. It's not to say that a pre-existing song had been used, but it didn't dominate the sc- like the soundtrack of the film, whereas the graduate sort of shifts things. And then we get into that kind of modern era of like, you know, oh, you've got someone whose job it is not to maybe there's someone who scores the film, but then there's a whole nother person whose job is to kind of like curate the soundtrack of the film. Right. Right. Um, But picking it not like based on, oh, I want artists to write for the film or I want to, you know, it's going through and and I found this awesome quote from this girl, uh, Laura, uh, Laura Stavropoulos. And I loved it because I thought it nailed it for me, my experience with soundtracks, which is like in the pre-Napster and streaming days, soundtracks served as a de facto mixtape for music discovery. And I was like, yeah. fuck yes, exactly. Yeah, so that. true. Yeah. You would hear, you would buy the soundtrack to a movie you loved and you would discover music that you didn't know uh, or bands that you didn't know yeah. because maybe they were in there somewhere. And I was like, absolutely. No, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's true. That's crazy, cause but it, it speaks to the well shit. Just how 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 often people's people went to movies. Like I mean, it was a it was the thing to do, right? Like a new movie came out, you know, you'd see a movie on a Friday or whatever, or Thursday night at midnight or something. But like that, you're you're absolutely right. Like that's that's crazy to think about that, because now you can just fucking you can can consume music any which way you want. Honestly, you don't have to go see a film, and and you have all, you have all the the film's music on oops on spotify or something right so yeah it's just yeah i thought that was such a cool take like that is it that's very cool take yeah yeah Um, it was was hard to find right like if you remember like remember going to see a movie and you would hear a song in the movie and then you would have no idea what that song was so you'd have to like wait till like the credits because the credits would list all the songs right so you'd be like oh all right what was that song you'd have you'd have to wait like to the end and you're like is that it is that that kind of sounds like the title maybe i mean what that is and then like it dovetails into like i mean radio play like these songs would be played on radio like oh well off the the new movie coming out on uh on tuesday or whatever like so um that's interesting that's very interesting yeah because i so before we get into the, the, the well there's so many things i talk about like do you think mikey like the movies that are made now do you think soundtracks are an afterthought because I, I like there's like only a really a handful in the last maybe like 10 years movie movie soundtracks i'm like those that was like an excellent excellent soundtrack or maybe now i don't even i don't even i don't even think to to explore or investigate movie soundtracks anymore like do you think oh. that like lately it's less of a I don't think it is for the movie, but I, and this is where I was talking about like weird stuff happening in the nineties where like, I feel like in the nineties, the soundtracks were events in of themselves. Yes. Yeah. Almost separate from the movie. Like, and I bring up Batman forever and, and we can get into that movie, but what the funny thing about it is the soundtrack for Batman forever, only five of the songs on the soundtrack were used in the film. (laughs) Wow. It's like, you're like, 
most wow. of the songs on this thing weren't even in the movie. It's wow. just completely not connected. It's its own event, right? Like the Batman Forever soundtrack was kind of disconnected from the Batman Forever film, and it was an event in its own right. In fact, I think it might have almost been a bigger deal. I would agree than yeah. the movie because the like that was a banging soundtrack. It's, yeah. So that really so that's. Film. Can we just do the list on it? So that's the one with you two, like "Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me." Is Seal. that and Seal, right? Yeah, like those. Like, nominated Rose. Um, yeah. But then it had like some crazy cool stuff, like the Flaming Lips are on there. Yes. Uh, oh, wow. PJ Harvey, Mazzy yes. Star. Yes. Um, there's a there's this, it's Michael Hutchins for in excess in excess yeah. covering yeah. Iggy Pop's "The Passenger." The passage. Oh, that's fuck? right. That is a great um, song. Yeah. A very Ma- dark. Uh, very dark. Attack. Yeah. Covering Ooh, the Marvelettes was on there. The Offspring covering the Damned was on there. Like wow. it was all over the map. Yes, and yes. a crazy weird soundtrack. And uh, and it was and, such a good good soundtrack. And that's back when the videos for those songs would like have the movie clips like yeah. actually in the video for it. Is I do remember that. Yeah, movie, like, Ooh, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, Nicole Kidman. Hmm. Yeah, man, it was it was a cool. It was a big soundtrack. Like it was a big deal. And that movie sucked. There's a bad movie with a good soundtrack. A yeah. bad movie with a good soundtrack. Yeah. I think it's well, like I the mean, definitive, like, it's like the soundtrack. You could just, like, be like, this soundtrack could just exist on its own. And if the movie was completely forgotten, we'd still have won, culturally speaking. Like, Yeah, it adds. It's a plus. Because yeah. it's a great, like, to that point that that that, that writer made, like, it's a, a great mixtape, right? Like, you might have come for you 2 and then, like, discovered PJ Harvey on that mm-hmm. on that track. But discovered so the flaming lips. Right? D- does that does that soundtrack in any way, even if it's like zero point zero 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 one percent, does it redeem the film in any way? Like, because it has such a great soundtrack. Well, I don't know. Someone actually thought really carefully about and and obviously paid the rights and had people even do covers of of you know songs to, to the point though that like they cared about it so much that they were like we need to save this soundtrack from the movie so actually we're not going to put most of the music from the movie in the soundtrack <laughs> we're going to just go in a different direction you guys are over there we're over here <laughs> yeah we're not even t- yeah you guys are junior varsity we are yeah that is, it's almost that's... it's almost like the, like the person who was supposed to do the soundtrack got told no too many times it was like you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just releasing this soundtrack that I want to release. And you put out that turd of a movie with Tommy. You like, uh... <laughs> well, it begs the question, like if you know the movie shit, why not? Why give a shit about making a good soundtrack? I guess like why, why, why not pick just heaping piles of garbage like track by track <clears throat> to match I, how shitty the film is. I don't know. Like, I mean, the funny thing about that movie is like, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's such a bad plan because they were trying to make it like a, the third installment of a franchise, but then Joel Schumacher wanted to go in a totally different direction that didn't line up. Right. Hmm. Like he wanted to bring it back to the sixties campy sort of almost like jokey. Yeah. Right. The bat dance. But I'm like, I'm like, it doesn't work because you're working within what Tim Burton built in the first two movies. Does those are like dark diametrically opposed. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, you know, like you didn't reboot it, but I think Joel Schumacher was thinking in his mind that this was like, I'm going to revamp the way people perceive Batman. Um, But I think for the public, we were like, Oh, it's like Batman three. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and there was, it wasn't right. It's almost in, in, in the director's mind. I think he thought it was like a reboot. And it probably would have worked better if it had been that. 
Um, but I, what I think though, is one of the other things though, is there's like that to me is the peak of this period where soundtracks become almost like their own thing. Like the soundtrack to the movie doesn't necessarily have to be. And you start seeing a lot of like things like soundtracks where it's music inspired by. Yeah. The motion yes. picture. Yeah. You, 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 that's so true. I remember looking at soundtracks and it would say music from and inspired by and inspired yeah. by so yeah I, and you know what i never i never really pieced that together but that's 100 percent correct yeah those there's are, so many like those that. are two different wavelengths entirely right like yeah uh, so i feel like soundtracks almost became like record labels kind of way of like launching certain artists and like you know selling records and whatever oh, totally. and by partnering yeah. with film studios to create a like a, an adjacent but different product um and that was a really 90s kind of thing right like it peaked so to your point about soundtracks now, I think it's just the marketing model of soundtracks doesn't work that way anymore, where, you know, people are going out to the record store to buy that one or two songs that they can only find on the soundtrack and they get the rest of the soundtrack with it. Yeah. I don't think that marketing model functions in, in, the, in the streaming service type thing we have anymore. So soundtracks are still really important to movies. I don't think they're as important to like record labels. Well, so here's the thing. I just assume that there is really only one or two companies that that own all movies and music, anyways. Like, does I feel like Disney just owns everything? Pretty so much. Like I think that's true now. Right. And Time so Warner. Just, Time Warner, like, probably owns most of the music. So it's like uh, there's no delineation. Like, there's like I just feel like you're 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 it's it's one and the same. So it's yeah. like. Uh, my money is going to go to both pockets regardless. Right. So it's the, like the other side of it too, is like, I would say, um, and there's some stuff out there about this, that like in the past 10 to 15 years, maybe even a little more like scores have made a big comeback. Like in the nineties, not a lot of movies had like movies were scored, but they weren't as big a deal. Whereas like scores in major blockbuster films, like most of the Marvel movies have like an orchestral score to them. Mm -hmm. On right, top all the, of all the Avengers some, movies have yeah, that, that yeah. huge. Score. I hear it in my yeah. head already. Yeah. yeah, totally right. And like the Lord of the Rings franchise, the Harry Potter yeah. franchise, like Star Wars. It's actually funny when Harry Potter tries to interject some sort of pop music. Do you remember? It's like the one where they all go to the dance, and there's like a rock band singing about crazy elves and stuff. And it's <laughs> I've like never seen any Harry Potter. You're missing <laughs> out. But anyways, it's like, it, it actually almost doesn't work because you're like, I don't believe this band is, is in this yeah. universe because they're it, so bad. Is it like when them. they redid the Star Wars, the uh, like the Jabba's Palace scene and uh, they have that like, the Max Rebo band is what? playing that absolutely <laughs> terrible song with that computerized lounge singing creature thing and it's just yeah. absolutely terrible. Yeah, yeah. trash. You, you just don't buy it. Like, you're yeah. like, no, you've popped the bubble a little bit, yeah. so um anyway so that 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 to me is kind of it's not to say soundtracks don't matter but i think there's been a a, a shift back to scores like really good scores and yeah and yeah matched with the fact that soundtracks from a marketing standpoint as a product probably aren't as relevant as a, as a package deal as they used to be no no uh, so you, you you've spoken about the 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 shitty movie that is Batman forever. But the other one you mentioned in, in, in our back and forth on Twitter, last action hero. And before we started our, uh, our, uh, our recording here, you definitely had the last action hero as your, as your zoom background. Talk to me about that soundtrack and what, I mean, movie was that bad. You thought the movie was, 
the movies I, I think in part it's that bad because it, it, it could have been so much better oh I to- oh yeah totally the yeah. backstory on that was like zach penn writes this screenplay that's lampooning kind of like these action films and whatever and and, and it's funny because he kind of specifically called was in a later interview he was like i was specifically making one of a lot of movies that this guy that shane black made and then they brought shane black in to rewrite the script <laughs> and it's like well, of course it's not going to be good when the guy who's being lampooned is asked to rewrite the script, right? Like, so I think it's such a missed opportunity because it could have been done really well to kind of send up the genre in, a, in an interesting yeah. way. But then they tried to make it legitimately this cool action vehicle. Um, but the soundtrack is really great. Like some of my... A Def like, Leppard on there, I think. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of like hard rock, right, on that one? It's a real mix, though, right? Because yeah. you got Cypress Hill on there. Yeah. Yes. Um, Alice Fishbone. in Chains is on there. Alice in Chains Aerosmith is on there. Dang, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cock the Hammer from Cypress Hill is on there. Uh, um, anthrax. I think it's got some Anthrax. It does. Yeah. It's got a really good song by Anthrax. It's got a great song by Queensryche. Um, oh, I haven't heard of Queensryche in forever. That's so crazy that you just brought them up. It's a good, that's a band good I completely forgot about. <laughs> Yeah, um, Megadeth wrote Angry Again for that one, which is a really, like, just top-notch Megadeth track in an era when Megadeth was, like, at the top of their game, right? Like, um, yeah. like Countdown to Extinction was winning Grammys yeah. and stuff. So uh, one of my favorite songs on it, though, is um, it had been recorded with the guy who did the score to the movie just before. But Aerosmith's uh, The Dream On with the L.A. Symphony. Yeah, and look at that right It now. is, like... I can't even listen to the original dream on anymore. Like it's so huge. Like it's just an epic track and it's an unbelievable recording of that song. And uh, yeah, so it's like that soundtrack, like end to end is just killer. But bad movie, but it's so bad. (laughs) Isn't it? I mean, I love the ice cream cone to the, to the brain. Yeah. That's, that's a classic scene. It is like, but like, I don't know, the badly animated. You wanted more of that? More like kind of silly lampooning? I think it could have probably been like a more clever satire on the genre, right? Where like. But hold on. Like, I mean, I mean, like, that's, I feel like that's a lot to ask of Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Like, clever satire. Like, I just feel like it's not, it just, it's not. But I think it's in the scripting of it. I don't know, because the end of that ends up trying to be like a serious action film where, you know, and uh, like the way that the way they did it, it just, I don't know. I don't think it worked. Whereas I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was at a point in his career where he was actually pretty cool lampooning stuff. Yeah. Like, he'd been doing like, um, like I, I can't remember if it was before or after Last Action Hero, but like Junior came out. You know the yeah. one where he's like pregnant. Yeah, oh, oh, I remember that. And like Jingle kinder, All the Way was Kindergarten like, Cop, kindergarten, right? Like Kindergarten Cop. Cop. Like he was the he Twins. Was, twins. Yeah. Yeah, he was doing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like he would have been down with it, and like I, I, I don't. I think it could have been done really well with him kind of sending up the genre a little bit and like them playing on the cliches. You can see a lot of that in there that just executed so poorly when they started to take it seriously. Yes. And be like, well, no, yeah, it's great that we made fun of it, but we still need a serious action thriller here. And it was like, or not. <laughs> yeah, or not. <laughs> well, like just, I just feel like, it, like that, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm not remembering it correctly, but like that, maybe that was just the limitations of having an Arnold Schwarzenegger as your lead. Like, I don't know if Bruce Willis would have done a better job, maybe, but like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of other action heroes. Like, would, would, have, would Sylvester Stallone have done or picked up on the, 
I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. But yeah, for me, I don't want to discredit Arnie too much, but yeah, like I just like, oh, the movie was, I, I didn't mind the movie. <laughs> like when I think about it, I didn't mind the movie at oh. all. But. I, it's just it's when did that come out? It was I think I was probably we were probably 90 92 93. I was 10, right? I, I remember watching it. Um, so yeah, maybe, I'm a, li- I'm a little bit older than you guys, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it uh, that's interesting. Are, are there any other um, so Batman Forever Last Action Hero? Was there another one that you that were just like, God, the, the movie was. Oh, there's, there's so many i don't know there's a lot i got a i got a few here oh too. yeah Go star wars we could talk about star wars in, in terms of the soundtrack of star wars i'll show myself out <laughs> <laughs> i all right i'll, I'll bring up one because this is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time um, okay and i i've owned like several copies of this album just because like they break or go missing or whatever um but 1993 again i was 10 years old um judgment night this is a quintessential like really mediocre film about how dangerous the city is for white people (laughs) yeah interesting but 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 here soundtrack is great but like here's and and the movie was star-studded so like we can we can do the list here so we've got emilio estevez again coming up um we've got cuba gooding jr um jeremy piven steven dorf gotta have steven dorf steven dorf um yeah. and then and then the bad guy was dennis leary is that star-studded steven dorf dorf, steven dorf? And, and, then, and also everlast was in the movie too he was one of like the the gang members or yo whatever so this soundtrack is the soundtrack is sick it was so the basically the concept uh i think all the songs are written for the movie so they're all yeah, they were. um and it was all like kind of a rap mm. artist and then yep. like a rock or like alternative like uh, when the hell are you gonna get like teenage, Slayer, teenage fan club and helmet Dilla soul and that song is fucking, great fallen fall yeah, I think fallen. It's called, yeah fall, that's falling. a that's a yeah. great track if it only had that it would be worth and then it. and then uh pearl jam and cypress hill such dinosaur a great combination jr. holy shit dinosaur, yeah, yeah dinosaur dinosaur jr and del the funky hope is probably yeah. one of the other ones on that run dmc's on there ice t right slayer uh helmet biohazard they're all they're all there yeah house of pain right Okay, so I it's haven't seen this helmet. movie. I have not seen this movie, guys. I haven't and... seen it like since '93. It's but really this, forgettable. This album, yeah. this soundtrack is even with all the star power, like Stephen Dorff. Dope, Stephen Dorff. <laughs> it's it's really cool. Like some of it doesn't work. Like, and you can tell which bands actually tried to collaborate more, and which bands were like, "Listen, yeah. we're gonna record our part, and then here's a little section <laughs> for your part." There are definitely some tracks that don't work as well, but some of them are really cool. There's but I also a... think because of this soundtrack later on we get the spawn soundtrack which is also Ooh. a fusion of electronica yeah. bands and yeah. like metal bands right so you get like um the crystal method and filter doing can't you trip like i do yeah uh long hard road out of hell with marilyn manson the sneaker pimps yep. um sneaker pimps my god yeah right um and spawn was such a whole surfers and moby Woo. i was really looking forward to that spawn movie and it was just awful you just like showed up and they were like all right man we got john leguizamo in a fat clown suit (laughs) you're like exactly can't Can't do it and i you know what i I like john leguizamo i do he's great i do not a fat clown suit no totally not agreed (laughs) i didn't look up the soundtrack to the pest with him i should have checked that out the weirdest (laughs) freaking movie ever yeah (laughs) 
Um, the, the one thing I've just, just quickly get back to uh, the judgment night soundtrack, but you get, you get to hear Eddie Vedder rap as well. Um, it's, it's, it's a treat. He's got, he, he talks about having a black nine on his waistline. It's great. Wow. Yeah. So it's not perfect, but, <laughs> but it is, it, it does say that like most people that's sort of like the hallmark, like almost everyone agrees that soundtrack was like, it was super unique. Hmm. It was a really good soundtrack to a movie that just didn't like deserve it at all. They were like, I don't know, Emilio SFM was, was coming off what a couple of comedies at the time, like um, what was Mighty he, yeah. Ducks, Mighty Ducks, and another Forty Eight Hours were like well, a lot. Uh, I think he, I think that was was it, I think it was more like he was coming off like the the Brat Pack kind of scene at that point, right? I think those other ones came later. Maybe no, I'm wrong. No, oh, Mighty Ducks for sure is in '92. Okay, uh, so I think he was actually trying to like establish like get back to like i don't want to be typecast as like a comedy actor so like get back to the serious <clears throat> roles yeah. with judgment night okay judgment yeah. Night. yes yeah but i yeah no i think that's a great soundtrack but then i also always say like without judgment night we could never have had spawn and i wouldn't have uh you know um that there's this really great song on it i gotta look at my note here oh like a uh, tiny rubber band by butthole surfers and moby is like this really yeah. weird but cool track weird That's yeah it's a, it's a weird album but there's some cool stuff on it huh. tom morello's on there as a solo guy with the prodigy Ooh, Ooh. that's a good combo yeah there's some great stuff so it's a great again great soundtrack but like just a movie that you're just like Whoa. oh god <laughs> yeah disappointing the other one the other one i have is uh it's actually a tv show because we can we can get to that too think but... of any tv shows yes and then that's the thing i i'm with you mikey because I, I was trying to think of like TV shows with great music and all the ones with great music seem to have seem to be good, which makes sense. Like great music, good show. But the only one that came into my mind and maybe, and maybe it wasn't terrible, but the OC. Oh I man. Had really great music. Really I discovered great music. a lot of good music on the OC. But uh, I mean, show wasn't great. That's, let's be yeah. honest. Well, I mean, I, I guess it depends. Like it's sort of like one of those things of like, it wasn't great, but it kind of was great for the, target a hit and i always yeah i always have roger ebert in the back of my mind of like you got to compare like with like yes right like he was like you can't go out there and compare like you know evil dead 2 with citizen kane because they're not trying to be the same thing <laughs> well the so predecessor don't... of the oc was like was like dawson's creek though right and dawson's creek had a like i don't i don't know if they're there were definitely a soundtrack but they played half decent music on that show did they not or no I just remember the opening credits thing with the I don't well, want to wait. Other, uh, uh, maybe not. I don't know. And then and then the funny thing is I don't know if you guys ever remember this, but like um, there there was like one year Samuel L. Jackson hosted the MTV Music Awards, and I like remember. Yeah. there was like this opening sketch where like a, a high school couple are like making out in bed to that song, and he comes in through the window with a bat and just smashes the stereo, <laughs> and they're all like, and then they just sort of look at him with these puppy dog eyes, and they're like, oh, and he's like. Oh, fine. I don't want to wait. <laughs> he starts singing. There's just Samuel Jackson singing Paula Cole. <laughs> and you're like, this is just weird, man. That's, awesome. That's hilarious. That's is that hilarious. is that the one at the end when he was like, when he said, told everybody to get the fuck out of his house at the end of it? Probably. It was, it was, yeah. He was like, the show's over. Now get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> it, it was some award. It had to be that award show. I don't know what other one it could have been, but. I don't know if he's hosted. <laughs> Probably was the last one he hosted. They were like, oh, well, yeah. we're not. Oh, they I mean, the OC, like, that was, like, for the early 2000s, that had a lot of, like, like cool indie bands. And that, like, yeah. me being a 
20, 20 something, early 20 something, I was like, all right, there's that's a lot of cool there stuff. Some like, good, yeah. Well, even like, even that opening track that was like, yeah, Phantom was, I didn't know Power, Jason, Phantom Planet, Phantom Planet, Planet. Yeah, where Jason yeah. Schwartzman was like the drummer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And I, I wanna, sorry, go ahead. So I I'm just, I'm just going to list. So, like, Super Furry Animals, like Eels of Montreal, Death Cab was big because that was uh, yeah. Seth Cohen's favorite band, right? Modest Mouse. Yeah, the Killers. They, they, they were actually on the show. So, like, Modest yeah. Mouse, the Killers, Walkman, the Walkman Thrills, yeah. Death Cab. They were all like, they played at uh, the Bait Shop, was yeah. the name of the. Their, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their club or whatever. But basically, yeah. these were all these were all bands that Seth Cohen fucking listened to, right? Because I'm yeah. fairly certain who's the main guy, Ryan. Ryan, yeah. That dude was only listening to Cheap Trick. Well, th- that guy was <laughs> that guy was 54 years old. He was listening to like yeah, like... that guy was the fuck. He was James Dean. Like that's who. <laughs> yeah. That's how they casted him. Like he was. That guy was not listening to any of that fucking shit. What's so. wrong with Cheap Trick? <laughs> Absolutely nothing's wrong with Cheap Trick. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm my surprised favorite... Ryan didn't drive a fucking Trans Am in that movie. Yeah. But you know, my favorite, uh, speaking of Cheap Trick, my, I, I'll drop my, one of the, I, I don't know if I'll say my favorite. It's just my favorite because it makes no sense to me is my, the weirdest super group ever. Have you guys ever heard of Tinted Windows? No. No. No, I don't it, think so. It's actually, their album isn't bad, but you're like, so this is the lineup of this band. It's uh, the bass player from Fountains of Wayne. You remember they did like the yeah, Stacy's mom. Course. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have oh, two. Yeah. Oh, they did. Wait, uh, I love Fountains of Wayne. People yeah. always, people always like. That's what they. I guess you know if you're gonna say remember Fountains Radio of Wayne, hit, say yeah. that. But they've got so much more. They're a good band. I've heard good things. Yeah. Anyway, one so guy actually from... passed away recently, right? From he Fountains did. of Wayne. Yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah. 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 So the bass player from Fountains of Wayne, the drummer from Cheap Trick. <laughs> The fuck? James Eha from the Smashing. Oh Pumpkin. shit! This band is sounds really good so far. The sound yeah okay. On lead vocals, <laughs> Taylor Hansen. No fucking way! That's a great band. That's a great band. Wow. It's they're not amazing, but it's more like you're like, how are you? Sorry, they're called the they're called Clusterfuck. They're called Clusterfuck. <laughs> What's the band called? Uh, it was Tinted Windows, but very close. Tinted Windows. Wow, they were like, they were like a banging like little power pop band, but you're just like I don't I don't get it's a lot of talent. How the yeah, hell did those four people even meet each other? Well, yeah, so apparently they met at some like songwriting circle or something, and they decided what to form a band fuck? together. But I was like, I was just like, I just am trying to figure out a world in which those four sat down and were like, we have enough in common that we should form a band. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's just so crazy to me. But yeah, Taylor Hansen, That's James Zha. And the two guys whose names I can't remember, uh, but the drummer from Cheap Trick and the guy from Fountains Wayne. Guy from Fountains anyway. Wayne. What is, wow. What's the commonality here? Like, a love I love of, I, I of like fucking just... pop music, man. No, Power like pop. they're all they're all like what like Lakers fans or something. Like that's strange. That is strange. It is. I know it's weird. Like you're just like I'm sorry. I, you need you need to walk me through that again, right? Like it's so <laughs> weird. What the hell. Anyways. Um, other movies on the list. I don't know. There's so, yeah. there's lots. I, I have tons actually. Um, I did. Rhyme, rhyme I, did I did throw Star Wars: A New Hope on there because I think there's <laughs> an argument to be made that it's a badly written, ineptly directed, often poorly acted film. We have to edit this. But, you know that, right? But, but, but John Williams' score, yeah, in um, so amazing. many ways, just saves that because if, if it, I, I would argue that if it were not for John Williams, you would not feel the things you were supposed to feel at the right moments like is is john williams a, even a, is he a hologram at this point i feel like john williams did the score to like i don't know a tra- yeah Everything. like a charlton yeah. heston film like he he did 10 commandments 
Like I've, he's like, been doing stuff since like the late '60s, anyways. Like when, like he didn't like, did do he, the Ten Commandments. No, I just feel like he's like on every movie. Like I just feel like he he's immortal. Any, anything that's point. memorable, yeah, yeah. He's, right. he's really him, good. He's the best. There's nobody better than that. Like, had, was he scoring music when he was like eight years old? Because like I swear to God, he's been around for probably. It's crazy, right? That's yeah. nuts. Okay, yeah, so Star like Wars that. bad movie is what you're saying. That's the yeah. takeaway here. I think there's an argument to be made. I mean, like oh, literally, God. there's a shot in the original where a stormtrooper like whacks his head off a door. Oh, I, oh yeah, I've seen yeah, it many yeah. times. Yeah. And you're like, you didn't edit that or do a retake? Like <laughs> Lucas is just like, fuck it, that's good, print it. Yeah, <laughs> looks good. <laughs> there's so many continuity error. Like they, there's just lots in that film where you're like, this is just some like really like you did not think this through well, and uh, and like I mean, Alec Guinness like like asked to be killed off because he like hated the dialogue so much he was like i can't mm. i can't anymore i can't made him a lot of money though made yeah no for, for sure right well it's like i mean it's like christopher Plummer just passed away and it's like yes. everyone like kim, kim came to me she's like we should watch the sound of music i was like why not celebrate the man's life by watching the movie he hated more than anything? yeah i was yeah. gonna say yeah. <laughs> that, that'll show him <laughs> I was like, why don't we watch that episode of Star Trek, uh, you know, episode six, where he plays a Shakespeare quoting Klingon. That's a way to celebrate the man. That's the way to do it. That's true. All right, so Star Wars, what else? What else you got? That's a, that's a bad movie with a good soundtrack. Bad movie with good soundtrack. Garden State. I think that uh, might get a rankle a few people because no, I, I know no, you're, you're actually really right because that's, that's, I agree. Yeah. It's like, but a same, same kind of music as the OC, which I was into at the time. So I fucking love that soundtrack. It, it, that, it's a great soundtrack the shins yeah. are like all over it man oh, it lovely, got, yeah, there's totally. some good tracks on there shins, <laughs> iron and wine and then it has like it has some like newer stuff or older stuff too like it's got like simon and garfunkel yep uh on there and and uh cold yeah. plays on there too um nick drake. Old boy new york yeah yeah nick drake yeah. nick drake like, yeah. Nick drake yeah. was having like I'm a sorry i thought i thought one. you said drake and i was no, like no nah, i think you're wrong on that one it's one of those okay this may sound weird because I know I know Zach Braff because actually the later on I want to talk about just you know like, Zach Braff. I don't know Zach Braff. Um, I feel like that like if you said that like, to me I'd be like wow like Zach Braff, Zach Braff like Zach Braff had this like these songs in mind for a soundtrack and then he made and, a movie and then thought yeah. of the fucking movie like absolutely right like. It feels like, like a series of vignettes that are strung together with this really exactly. stupid plot line. Like if this was a yeah, YouTube, agreed. if this was if Garden State was a YouTube show, and it was like a like a six minute vignette, yeah. told over like a, a a few weeks, that shit would get hundreds of millions of, of views. But yeah. like as a full movie, oh my god, it was not not very good. No, but it's a no. it's a great soundtrack to make out to. <laughs> and if you remember from like two thousand, that was. That was big. That was like the jam. Yeah, that was like no. the makeout room. Once yeah. Thievery Corporation came on, whoo, it's go time. I, I think you're dead yeah. on it with that angel. Like I think I think Zach Raff had this idea of like, you know, like sometimes you hear a song and you could just see how you would use it in a film, right? Like, yeah. you're like oh, like this is that scene for like you know, kind of a low key aerial shot following a car yeah. from a suburb or something, right? But it's isn't like, that... he was like I had these ideas and I'm gonna string that together into a script. <laughs> Isn't yeah, you shouldn't so, do it that way. Yeah, isn't that so irresponsible as a fucking filmmaker though? Like to like to think that and do that because I know you you like off air you mentioned like Edgar Wright, like yeah. like when you think about the and and when we think about soundtracks and like the creative control over that. Like I just feel like if the filmmaker has of obviously a vision of the film, he or she or how you know obviously has a has a sound or a vision for how the movie is going to sound. 
So why the hell would you farm that out to somebody else? Which is why, and we, we talk about Zach Braff. Again, I, I, I reiterate, like, how fucking irresponsible was he to make <laughs> that shit film with a great satire? Like, just like, I don't know. Like, it just, it's so I mean, if, if you could, you would. I know, and, I know I would. He could, he could. Yeah, he was, yeah. I would have done the popular. same. Yeah. So I, I have a, I have a funny story about Zach Braff. So uh, Amelia and one of her friends were, were, we were at Bonnaroo and which is a music festival and they were kind of like walking um and and he drove by on a golf cart <laughs> and, and Amelia was like is that Zach Braff and he stopped and like turned around and was like it is and then he drove off <laughs> that's amazing so, what a loser what yeah. a fucking loser that sounds like that just sounds so on brand it's totally it's totally exactly. him yeah yeah, yeah. I uh I buy that story completely. It's like, like like seriously like Angel. If you were like, no, I know Zach Braff, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, like, yeah. He was like, uh, he was buying a sandwich at Vincenzo's the other day, and it, totally. all, what all it was was Brussels sprouts. <laughs> it only yeah. reminds me that like you remember there's like an episode of Family Guy where like Stewie talks about John Favreau, like, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, yeah, you know, he puts himself in his own movies, but it's all right because he seems like the kind of dude who'd help you move if you asked him to. And I was yeah. like, I legitimately feel like if you what? like. Tweeted at John Favreau and be like, I need some help moving. He'd be like, yeah. he'd be there. Yeah, he'd be there. I got it. I'm With cool. Coffee. Like, he just yeah. seems like that kind of dude. <laughs> Maybe not yeah. now that he's like, I don't know. Because one of the films on my list actually okay. is, uh, have you ever seen PCU? Uh, you ever uh, no. uh, give me, give me a little more plot. It rings a bell. Uh, so it's Jeremy Piven and David Spade are like at this college where oh, the, the yes. general consensus is yes. like, yeah. college has got two PC. Yeah. And so David Spade plays like the local like ultra right wing conservative who pulls off like this line where he's like, you can't even coerce a woman into having sex without getting brought up on charges. It's crazy. Yeah, here. yeah. Like, Cla- classic PC. Take it yeah. over. Classic right? David yeah. Spade. Madness. Right. <laughs> but the Jeremy Piven, like so like it's like the kid is like touring the thing and he ends up in Jeremy Piven's house, which is just this like slovenly bunch of ne'er-do-wells or whatever. <laughs> um. I remember that and, movie now. Uh, it's not one I'm super familiar with, but I do remember it. Yeah. Well, this was the second movie that John Favreau acted in, and he plays like this big dumb guy with like fake dreadlocks. Oh God! It's, it's but it's a. There's a great scene in it where he's like he's going to a like a concert, mm-hmm. and Jeremy Piven comes in. He's like, "You're not wearing this to the show, are you?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "You're gonna wear this. You're gonna wear the shirt of the band you're going to see. Don't be that guy." Yes. Yes. That is a classic scene. I remember I remember but that scene. Yeah. I got I got to tell you like so this soundtrack so one George Clinton and Parliament are in the movie. Oh wow. So they've oh, cool. got on the soundtrack it's got Stomp by them and then it, them covering Prince's Erotic City. Wow. Uh are on the soundtrack. Um there's this band called The Beautiful People that like didn't really go anywhere but they had this weird license to sample any Jimi hendrix song in their music what the fuck how do, they, how, yeah. do you know, how do you get that yeah it's good, good yeah, for them. yeah <laughs> i don't know man so anyways they have this really cool song called really groovy which is just them like saying it's like kind of like a like a funk song that samples Jimi hendrix a lot uh it's got mud honey's cover of uh elvis costello's pump it up yeah yeah i'm just looking at this is great right sick um henry rollins my god yeah rollins is on it um well there was another one on there there's a band, uh, like a band I hadn't heard of called The Connells that do this song Slackjawed. Like it's, uh, and then Steve Vai wrote the score. Like the mm-hmm. musical score was Steve Vai yeah. of all people. 
So it's like a great, cool soundtrack, which the movie itself was written by Zach Penn, who wrote the original screenplay for Last Action Hero. Last so we're coming Eagle. full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Love it. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I do. I, I vaguely remember that movie, but that's a. It's not great, that's but man, that soundtrack one. was super cool. It makes me wonder how how you convince these these musicians to to not only lend their voices and their music, but like their time. Like, it, like I, I don't know the process, and maybe you can speak to this, Mike. But like, I mean, do these do these artists and musicians see the movie before it's? I mean, they can't, right? I don't know. Like, no, in order lot, for the timing, of, well, sometimes they see like sometimes they see spec footage. A really interesting one that was sort of on my list. Have you guys seen? She's the one. Uh, it's an Ed Burns maybe? film. Uh, it's got Jennifer Aniston, Cameron Diaz, Ed Burns, wow. his Ed girlfriend Burns, at the right? time. Um, maybe, yeah. It's 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 like a little indie film that Ed Burns like. So Ed Burns made a bunch of these like little independent films, and it's like an okay movie. I, I would say Jennifer Aniston's performance in it is actually fantastic as like kind of a neglected wife. Um, okay, she's really good in it. I, I like the movie generally speaking, but there's a really good argument that it's not great. Sure. But to your point, Angel, so they finished the movie and they didn't have any soundtrack and they showed it to Tom Petty and him and his band wrote the soundtrack in a night. And (laughs) the whole album is just a Tom Petty album. Uh, And yeah. And uh, and so that was like one way they were like, hey, Tom, would you contribute a song to this movie? Here's the movie. And he's like, I just watched the movie and I, I got kind of inspired by it and we just sat down and we wrote an album in a night and laid it up live off the floor. Does, wow. does, does, does he have a song with the same title? Is that? Or... No, but the song walls. Okay. Do you remember walls? Like it was like, you got a heart so big it could bro- it could crush this town was like the opening line or something. Yeah, or that's okay. the chorus. Yeah. It's a good track. There's some really good songs on there. It's actually. A, a, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think Tom there's Petty. a, I don't think there's a bad Tom Petty song. I mean, they're all, they're all pretty good. It's true. Yeah. I love Tom Petty. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, huh? Interesting. Ninety six, eh? Yeah, it's I, it's I like I think it's worth watching. Um, it it tends to get into a lot of the problem with it is I don't think it does successfully what it tries to do, which is kind of like raise some questions about masculinity and relationships, mm-hmm. and it does a mediocre job of it. Um. Uh, but it, it's got a good cast and like like I said, Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, that is a good cast. It is a really good cast. Yeah, I haven't John seen Ed, I haven't seen Ed Burns in a while. What's uh what's Ed Burns up to know, these right? days? Yeah, Ed Burns. I, I remember Burns. last time I kind of remember seeing like big the big movie. He was in Saving Private Ryan, right? I remember I remember that one. Yeah, he did that one with Angelina Jolie a few years later, where she was like the TV reporter who kind of has like a breakdown, and then he's like the cameraman who kind of oh like, yes yeah. Yeah, I remember. That was, a, that was an all right. Like, it's like a you know, like whatever, like a just a decently working romantic comedy you, for the day. You have like this crazy ability to remember these movies. Like, you do, yeah. That would that would never ever. I never would have thought of that again unless you just said it right now. <laughs> I can't remember the title movie. if it's any you know. Yeah, I, but still, like, I know what you're talking about, and I yeah. and that was that was buried deep within my psyche. Imagine what I could have learned if I'd applied myself to something other than learning about movies. No, but that's important. Learning about I love like, I love this. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I yeah. love I love like I, I love movies to begin with. And there you uh, go. Yeah. Um, 
but uh yeah no there was uh there's there's lots of these movies it's funny like i just there's so many in the 90s that i think are really cool where soundtracks were i don't know it's like there's this moment where like people who curated soundtracks really had this moment for like about 15 years where they could really like get music onto people's radars and it was kind of cool right like like i was thinking about um do you remember meet the deedles it's like stupid film (laughs) no i don't but as soon as you describe it i might remember it uh it, it was like these two like dopey surfer kids who's like i think they're brothers maybe but their dad like sends them to a boot camp in yellowstone national park or something of course okay. yeah this is they totally up, you know realistic yeah they end up they end up posing as like high profile naturalists anyways whatever but the whole soundtrack is all like third wave ska stuff right like goldfingers safe wow, Paris, cool um uh what else is on there cherry pop and daddies holy cow hepcat mighty mighty boss stones they gotta be on there sorry Mighty Mighty Boston. Yeah, the Boston's are on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Boston's are on there. Um, like it was, it was like a really good, like little example of that moment in third wave ska, of like kind of all the you know decent yeah. third wave ska bands that were coming out of LA at the time. You remember and when ska like, was oh. like back for like a very brief window there, and we all like kind of liked it for a bit. Look for for some of us, it never left, man. Really, you're, you're... Mikey. Do you play? Hey, do you play any? I know you play guitar and bass right correct i mean i haven't in a while but do you, yes do you play, I used any, to play in bands uh, and stuff. do you play any uh uh horns or anything like do you can you play no oh, no a trumpet was one i always <laughs> thought would be kind of cool we can edit uh, this out but like our uh where i mean you gotta come jam with us dad band dude you gotta come and like <laughs> holy god we're we're getting all right we're getting uh, Adrian, you, you said last episode you weren't in a band when I mean, you're clearly in a band okay i didn't want to do it in front of an actual goddamn band <laughs> like, yeah, every, everything's an actual yeah, band you know what's funny though you band. know what's interesting though i did recognize except for tame and paula they fucking suck but fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> I, I recognize one of the people i might have been it might have been one of the mats but i swear to god they came to like the one and only show that dad band ah like, that's so did. cool yeah. And I, I felt like, because I kind of was like, oh, you look familiar. I didn't want to bring anything up. But anyways, but Mikey, you got to you gotta come in. Uh, first of all, you, sh- you got to come to. Uh, um, have you been to Justin's new place? Like not since he moved in, but yeah, I've, I've been Hey, there. dude, you got to. Yeah, it's a great space. We, we Yeah, you got to come and jam, man, for sure. I was hoping maybe you'd play trumpet because we want to. We, uh, Justin and I definitely want to get into like some ska and just other, just like punk stuff because he, yeah, he loves. Well, Pereira's the guy if you're looking for ska. Ooh, yeah. That's uh Yeah, no, I, well, I was, I, I just, I actually wasn't super, I love the Boston's and I was, a, I was a really big Goldfinger fan back in the day. Like, oh, I yeah. Love that fan. Oh, yeah. John yeah, Gold- Feldman can write a bop. Oh, 100%. Yeah, Goldfinger's fun. Goldfinger's fun. Yeah, they were super good, man. And uh, I saw them live a bunch of times. They were always great shows. And uh, yeah, it was good stuff, man. So anyways, like, I just thought that was a fun thing because there was this really cool moment where, like I said, like, there was just this great time where soundtracks were like almost their own beast. And we ended up with some crappy movies <laughs> where the soundtrack, the person who was responsible for the soundtrack just rose up and it was like, listen, this thing may be a turd, but I'm not going to let it down. <laughs> like, and uh, it was cool. Right. And I feel like that was a really weird, like it was, a, it was, I would say there was probably maybe 10 or 15 good years. Yeah. Where soundtracks were like 
an event in of themselves beyond the film and 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 people were like really avid to go out and buy soundtracks and that's kind of gone now but i don't think it was a big thing earlier on right like i don't that, know i don't remember in the 80s like i you know i was born really, in the late 70s. i mean i mean yeah. the biggest one i could think of from the 80s would probably be dirty dancing top gun is a pretty big yeah. Dirty dancing 16. was dirty dancing was huge. That that yeah. played a lot in my sixteen my candles maybe. Yeah, pretty well, and pink. sixteen candles again. Like like John Hughes was super into music and it informed it. I'm just curious to know if the soundtrack, like the release of the soundtrack, hit the peak that it did. Where yeah, like well, the one big example that often comes up was Batman, right? Because Prince recorded a soundtrack to yeah. Batman, and it was big. It was a big deal, right? And and it's sort of like that almost kicked off this era of the soundtrack almost becoming somewhat a separate event from the thing. And I was like, yeah, it's cool because we get these really crappy movies where whoever's working on the soundtrack just does a killer job. <laughs> and it's so great. So my, my question is then to you, Mikey, like, why do you think it's changed? Like, I mean, where, and you say that you, if the nine, if we're giving it context in the nineties, is that kind of like that era like once we hit the 2000s it did were soundtracks an afterthought or were they not think thought of as like yeah i don't know i mean you talk about like event in and of themselves like i can't think of like the twilight soundtracks were reasonably good yeah the movies i've never watched but i know they're not yeah. not great well, those they, came yeah. up on a few lists when i was digging around for research yeah. like people were like especially the later twilight movies have great soundtracks well, yeah they had bands like radiohead and muse yeah. and the killers yeah. and so yeah good stuff but why do you uh, so i mean those are maybe those are the exceptions and not the rule but like what like so do you have you seen that change like is it like and, and what do you attribute that to like why seemingly do soundtracks not i don't want to say they don't so, matter but like i'll take it i'll take I'll take a, a stab at it and I have no idea if this is right. Cause I'm not an expert in it, but I mean, so I'm going to go back in time a little bit to the collapse of the studio system in Hollywood. Right. Mm. So the late fifties studios kind of just collapse under their own weight. And all of a sudden all these independent things. So like, you know, and that means a couple of really important things. One, you have directors who can direct any film they want. You have actors who can act in any film they want. They're not beholden to be told what the still like. So studios used to just be like, hey, uh, Humphrey Bogart, you're going to be in this movie. And Humphrey Bogart couldn't say no. Mm. Like, it was just like, this sounds awful. And they're like, yep, well, too bad. <laughs> Here it is. Um, and, uh, you know, same with directors. Directors would just get like, hey, here's the script you're directing next week. And it would be like, well, we don't have a choice. And that's where like to back up like this is where the auteur theory comes from right is like directors who were able to put their own style and their own art into something that they had almost no control over because they were told who their actors were going to be they were told who was going to score the film they didn't get a choice of the script they didn't really get much control over the location stuff and it's like if you can still have a directorial style when you have no control over all those elements <laughs> that's pretty great yeah but all that kind of collapses in the 50s and like all of a sudden the rise of the independent directors happens, right? So you get, there's a whole documentary about this, by the way, it's called Easy Riders, Raging Bulls. Oh. Um, but it basically talks about like, you get like all these independent directors like Hal Ashby and Francis Ford Coppola and, you know, uh, Dennis Hopper and those guys make Easy Rider and um, Martin Scorsese comes up. And then you've got these two weirdos who kind of hang out with everybody 
George Lucas and Steven Spielberg that everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, you're not like with us, but we'll kind of let you hang out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and those like those guys all come to prominence in the 70s, the 60s and 70s. And one of the things they do is they bring the music that people like they were really into like, well, no, it's not about the score. It's about like, what are people listening to? Like if, if we're going to make a gritty, realistic film, it's not going to have an orchestral score because life doesn't have an orchestral score. It's going to be whatever's on the radio. It's going to be what people populate their lives with. And so that to me is where you get things like the graduate and whatever, where they're licensing music that people were already doing, or they're hiring artists like Robbie Robertson started scoring films for Scorsese back in the seventies. Right. Hmm. Um, and so they start bringing musicians in and they're like, yeah, you were the people like Bob Dylan shows up in Robert Altman films and stuff. Right. And so um, all of a sudden you get this connection between popular music and film that becomes really, really pronounced. And then in the eighties, after heaven's gate, basically base fucks up everything for the directors. Cause they spend an enormous amount of money on the turd that is heaven's gate. <laughs> um, studios start to regain some control, but they start to realize this is real opportunity for uh, to leverage music. And then all of a sudden studios like movie films, like movie studios start getting merged with like record labels and yes. stuff. Yeah. And they start to see these things. They just see them as marketing verticals, right? Oh, we're going to market the film across multiple channels. And it's going to be, you know, the soundtrack's going to be one thing and the McDonald's, cup or something it's gonna be yeah, another thing yeah. and the theaters and the dvds and like you know and then et becomes like the highest selling home video and so it all just becomes and then so the marketing engine takes over and that just is in massive full swing by the time the 90s come around right like it's all about multi-vertical marketing right we're gonna have the restaurant promotions and we're gonna have the t-shirts and we're gonna have the and the soundtracks have this golden moment right but then it starts to swing back again and i feel like in the 2000s, directors took a little bit more control back, right? Or tours like Wes Anderson and, mm -hmm. you know, later Chris Nolan and whatever, like those guys start to have more control again. And it starts to shift a little bit back the other way. And then Marvel comes out and now we're back into the, like the studios are just like money. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, that, is, it, that, that is like a fantastic summary of like the last like 70 years was of, it? of yeah. film. See, the degree is real, man. It's it, not it, just it's a real. made up thing. It, it's totally real. Shout that, out to that, Brock. Was that was incredible. Yeah, Brock, you're good job, Brock. Anyway, so like, I mean, again, I don't know if that's exactly it, but I would guess at least some of that stuff has this confluence around why soundtracks sort of rose to become the Batman Forever. We're like, we don't even need music from the film on this thing. <laughs> like to now where I feel like we're in a good place where like, you know, uh, like the baby driver soundtracks, it's great. It stands on its own, but it's super tight with the film too. Like every song on that soundtrack matters to the film. The soundtrack, totally. whether you buy it or not, is irrelevant to the success of the film. Like I feel like we're in a pretty good place where music is being used for a good purpose in film now. Um, but you still have that kind of cool moment where there's, you can, hopefully movies can still introduce people to new music and that mixtape kind of vibe thing. I hope so. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, we're obviously living in strange times right now, but, uh, and maybe that, maybe that means that audiences and fans will, will, you know, you won't be able to fool fans too often. I think with, 
because they're they have time to kind of reflect on what they're watching and, and, and listening to but i don't know yeah it's interesting that uh that was a really cool history lesson i gotta say yeah, I'll, I'll i like what michael's yeah. saying like yeah like the the movies you mentioned and just like you're right i never thought about the um just the influence and control that that's like any any large conglomerate's gonna have but like on something as something that we consume and that we enjoy so much like movies you know like it uh it influences a lot so yeah hmm. yeah. Wow. yeah that's that's good stuff uh i yeah i i mean I don't know what the hell the time is, but I think I think uh, I think we've got a good chunk. Here, for sure. <laughs> I've said enough. Yeah, I've learned a lot. There's Mikey. more. Like I mean, there's there's lots more movies. There's tons of movies. You know, oh, it's, totally. It's, for me, it's always like it's always interesting. Like you say, what people consider a bad movie, right? And uh, you know, I I guess one of the things that we talked about, like there might be some contention around that idea, and I remember someone. I'll leave it at this, but someone pointed out, someone said to me once, they were like, Sex and the City is the worst movie ever made. Or Sex and the City 2 (laughs) is the worst movie ever made. And I was like, that's like a pretty bold claim. Like, I mean, you know, human centipedes out there just being a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the worst movie ever made. Like, yeah, because the thing is, is that it has no excuse to be anything but the best movie ever made. It's got a proven cast, a proven director, probably a near unlimited budget. Like, there is no reason it shouldn't be amazing other than just fucking laziness, <laughs> right? And they're like, a lot of movies suck because they have a bad director or bad writers or, you know, a new cast that's unproven or whatever, like budget constraint. A lot of it's budget. They have no money to make the film. They've got to work with what they've got. But they were like, some movies are bad. They're really bad because in spite of every possible advantage, they still suck. (laughs) (laughs) And so to me, I'm like, I look at things like Batman Forever and I look at the last action here. I'm like, there is no good justifiable reason why an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle in 1993 should not be anything but one of the best films on the table. Like, yeah, there's no reason but it um, had a good soundtrack. But it did have a good soundtrack. And so that to me is always really interesting because that those were opportunities that I think somebody seized upon where mm. the movie had a lot of money. They could get U2 on a soundtrack. They could get Aerosmith on a soundtrack. And somebody took advantage of that opportunity and made a really great album, a really great mixtape out of something that should have been great, but wasn't. Mm. And it was like, cool. Like there's this really, really, really neat thing of somebody almost like, taking advantage of an opportunity to do something cool that is cool yeah it is and it, it it's uh it's like it's almost like it's almost like a, a cautionary tale like yeah <laughs> like it is a resp- i don't know I, responsibility maybe maybe too heavy of a word but like you do have a freaking responsibility as both a filmmaker and, and the person uh and you know um crafting the soundtrack curating the soundtrack so but but folks like mikey to end this episode off they notice he gets they, it they're they're aware and he will come for you <laughs> <laughs> he will come that, for you you be warned on, on a podcast i will come for you a, on a podcast not yeah, really, a, because yeah. it's, it, we're supposed to be socially distancing so lot, no i mean no but, yeah. <laughs> i can't really read a, a strong worded review <laughs> mikey are you putting are you putting any thoughts down anywhere like can, can folks read about some of these uh these musings or, or, or is this kind of the first time you've 
spilled it all on a public uh yeah radio. probably like i mean I, I don't know it comes up like in conversation and stuff but yeah. uh you know i mean it's uh i i no there's no there's nowhere to go to find this stuff i but i mean it's out there on the internet lots of people nothing i've said is new trod territory like i said like a lot of that studio system stuff you can learn by watching or reading about it um because there's, there's this little outfit called Mid, Midtown Radio. I don't know if you've heard about it, but uh, <laughs> if you ever wanted to pitch a show, man. I think I'm I think I'm technically on the advisory board of Midtown Radio. Oh, so oh. you've heard of it then. <laughs> you've heard of it. Yeah. I mean, could, uh... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm supposed to be, there's, uh, there's, Danielle reached out to me about something. I'm supposed to be on a committee. Oh. I've been, I've been involved. So I've known David for, for quite a long time. We, uh, if you want to stop recording, we can stop recording. <laughs> but yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's wrap about it up. Midtown... We'll, we'll, we'll chat. Yeah. I think we've we got, got we've got we several got to end, hours. We have to end on something. Yeah, anyways, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I don't know. It's fine. It's all good. Yeah. Well, uh, Mikey, thank you for uh, for being on. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot. This was great. On. This was fun, man. Thank you. Yeah. For definitely. Talk so I think much. we should. There's two episode uh, ideas in mind. One, a Simpsons episode. I yes. think you definitely, you definitely need to be on that. It's so fun. And I think we need to have a we need to do a redo a Canadiana bracket because I feel like. That didn't even get in the show because I know you have some very strong opinions uh, about that. And uh, I, I just want that to be on, oh, on record. Part so two. We'll, we'll Absolutely. But part Mikey, two. thank you. Thank you for being on and uh, appreciate your time, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Have thank a good you. day, everybody. Now my personality is an unwanted commodity believe Can't it. believe I used to be Mr. Steve Austin on the mic Six million ways I used to run it I guess Oscar Goldman got mad Cause I got loose circuits I be the mother goose with the eggs that seem to be oh.